0: This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Dear Prudence.
1: Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence.
0: Dear, Prudence. Dear Prudence. Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, and welcome back to the Dear Prudence show once again. And as always, I am your host, Dear Prudence, also known as Daniel M. Lavery. And with me in the studio this week is Charlie Jane Anders, another three-namer, the author of Victories Greater Than Death, which is the first book in a new young adult trilogy coming in April 2021, along with the forthcoming short story collection, Even Greater Mistakes. She's also the co-host of the podcast, Our Opinions Are Correct, along with Anna Lee Newitz. Charlie Jane. Welcome.
1: Hi. Thank you so much for having me. It's just such a thrill to be back on Dear Prudence. This is just like, you know, this is my
0: favorite podcast to listen to and to participate in. You are my favorite person to be talking to today. Yay. And, um, I really hope that we get a wildly different side of you. Um, I don't know how you want to try to compare and contrast to your last term, but if you could just, I don't know, maybe give really bad advice or really oh, cruel advice. I don't advice. know. I mean,
1: I, I feel like that that seems like a slippery slope into some kind of terrible, you know, evil twinhood. And I'm not sure that I'm really ready for that. I don't have enough room in my apartment for an evil twin. They take up a lot of room. They usually use up all of the shampoo. And I have really nice shampoo and conditioner right now that I'm running out of because I can't go to the store. And you and know, you'll so, never get that money back. Yeah. And exactly. And like, you know, all the good food in the fridge, gone. The moment you have an evil twin, there's no mm-hmm. good food in the fridge anymore. of course, the one thing that
0: they still have in common with you is you like the same foods. Everything else is different and evil, but...
1: And you know that my cat would prefer the evil twin version of me to the real me. Like, my cat would just be like, yeah, the evil twin is, like, my favorite. And, like, I would never get any affection from my cat ever again. So I feel like if I start spawning an evil twin now, I'm just going to regret it for the rest of my life. And I, I better just stick to giving the same like, well-intentioned bad advice as opposed to, like, poorly-intentioned bad advice. Although, given my track record, if I set out to give bad advice, I'd probably end up looping around and giving really good advice because I'm just, you know, I would, I would probably screw up for the better or f- screw up, you know, in a, in a positive, pro-social way. So,
0: well, you know. I'm going to bear all of that in mind.
1: Okay, and in go. fact,
0: I'm going to ask if you would read our first letter. So we'll see what whatever kind of advice comes to mind, good or evil, I just want whatever's coming out of your head. Okay, here it is. Subject, helping my brother navigate his new
1: queer relationship. Dear Prudence, I'm a 23-year-old black lesbian, and my almost 28-year-old brother came to me for advice last week. He has recently started dating a trans guy and doesn't know how to approach this situation with our family. I was happy that he felt comfortable coming to me for advice, and I want to help him introduce his partner to the family in a safe, comfortable way. However, after a bit of insta-sleuthing, I found out that my brother's boyfriend is 19. I was immediately thrown off by the age gap in their relationship, particularly because they are considering moving in together. I want to support my brother, but I don't think moving in with his 19-year-old boyfriend after a few months of dating is a healthy decision, especially when he is struggling with making their relationship public. How do I give him the advice and support he needs when I am uncomfortable with the age gap and speed of their relationship? Wow, there's a lot going on there. That's 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 yeah. that's a that's a complicated one. It is. I mean, this seems to be— I'm just going to jump in a little bit and say that this seems to be a— slightly classic example of, of, you know, being asked for help with one thing and then kind of taking on more than you were asked to help with. Mm -hmm. I think, do you think that's fair? I do.
0: Yeah. The the good news is he has at least come to you for some sort of advice. So I think there are grounds here to figure out what's a way that I can bring up some of my other concerns that won't feel out of nowhere um, and that will hopefully be something I can offer in a way that he will listen to. And so I, I think I I can give some advice along those grounds, um, but yeah, I, I think that is tricky. Where it's like I want help with issue A, and you're like, great, thank you for pointing that out. I've noticed issues B and C. Like you feel a little bit like clippy. Like it seems like you're also having trouble figuring out how to how soon is too soon to move in together. Can I help with that?
1: Yeah, and you know, I mean, it is. It does sound you know a 19 year old. That is that's you know that's it's a big age gap, 19 and 28.
0: Mm-hmm. Twenty-seven. I I, I do want to be careful there. Like the almost twenty-eight thing felt a little bit like. Oh right, right. I missed the almost. You know, he's twenty-seven, and so then I also wonder, like, is is your brother's boyfriend almost twenty? Not that that's going to make a massive difference, but I think it's important, especially when you're thinking about discomfort, to be really clear and to be as accurate as possible, rather than either like rounding something up or rounding something down because it feels more true to your feelings. If that makes sense.
1: Right. And- you know, I mean, not with based on the information in the letter, it, it does sound as though they are rushing into something, and you know that there may they may end up regretting moving in together if they do move in together, and that you know, when I was nineteen, I made many choices that I ended up later regretting, and uh, even when I was twenty-seven, going on twenty-eight, I made many decisions that I ended up later regretting. I guess the real question is, as an observer of this situation, as as a sibling. What's your responsibility in this situation? And what are you able to do? And every, you know, every sibling relationship is different. You know, it really depends on how close you are with your sibling as to how free you are to to talk about that kind of stuff. Some people I know are have like a very, very close relationship with their their siblings and and are able to kind of offer free and and open advice. But I I think, you know, at a certain point you also do have to let people make their own mistakes.
0: Yeah, I think that's a useful rubric here because I can understand the the letter writer's discomfort or questions, especially because it sounds like she found out via Instagram. So it doesn't sound like her brother talked about that at all, and so I can understand feeling also a sense of like, well, are you ashamed? Are you trying to hide this? You know, what do you? How did you two meet? Like it, that part might also raise some questions. It's not as if he had said, by the way, we have an age cap. We've talked about it. Here's what we think about it. So I I think the place to start there is from a position of curiosity and kind of depending on his answers, you might reassess your concern. It's helpful to know like 19 is an adult. People live independently sometimes at 19. People are at college sometimes at 19. People are financially self-supporting. So you don't have to worry that like you need to like offer a strenuous intervention. This can fall under the category of like, I might raise a concern. My brother might choose to dismiss it. And and that's that rather than I would have to go further. So that will help. But yeah, I think I would start by just saying, I want to be helpful to you when it comes to introducing your boyfriend to our family. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about ways in which moving in together after a few months of dating might make that difficult and also might potentially be putting too much pressure on a new relationship. I, I just want to know a little bit more like, I found out your boyfriend was 19. You didn't mention that in our first conversation. You're not like in trouble for doing that, but I just... I'm a little curious. How do you two think about that age difference? Have you talked about it much? Um, Do you have any concerns about moving in together about how your partner would be able to support himself? What are your thoughts? And to ask that, you know, in that question, in that tone, not like, hey, account for every dollar that your boyfriend brings in and like, you know, turn over your receipts to me so that I can like check the books and decide whether or not you get to move in together. But like,
1: it's totally fine to say like, I have questions. I think it's totally fine to say you have questions. And also I think that, to the extent that this person was asked to kind of do a difficult thing, which is kind of help introduce the boyfriend to the rest of the family and help to kind of smooth the way for this relationship with the rest of the family. You know, I think having boundaries is good and being like, you know, I absolutely support you trading, dating a trans guy and would happily kind of, you know, go to bat for you about that with the rest of the family. However, if it comes to the family having the same questions that I have about the speed with which this relationship is moving forward and the age gap between you, I may not be able to be in your corner as much about that because I also have those concerns and I'm, you know, I'm not going to judge you because you're an adult and your partner is an adult. Or Or I might judge you you and you still get to
0: do what you want. Like, either of those could be true. You you
1: get to do what you want. I might judge you, but I'm I'm not – you can do what you want with your life. But I might not be able to be as effective an ambassador as – like, I feel like part of what's going on here, perhaps, is that the letter writer is being – is worried about being asked to not just defend the, you know, the relationship with a trans guy, but to defend the other aspects of the relationship that that yeah. were not made explicit when this request was made. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And that's really the crux of it is, like, there might be limits on what you can do with the rest of the family if, if you know, you have your
0: concerns of your own. Yeah. And that's not, by the way, like, being, like, punitive or judgmental so much as just it's really important to be honest about, like, I'm really ready to back you up here if, you know, our parents or other siblings say that they think it's foolish to move in together so quickly. Not like you're on your own sink or swim, but like you'll need to think about how you want to handle that. Um, I won't be prepared to offer the same, like I'll I'll offer you this sort of same ongoing support as your sister and as somebody who loves you, but I'm not necessarily going to be able to provide you with the same kind of backup there. And then he can make his own decisions there. Whether like And again, because he also does not have to account for his every decision to the family. He can also figure out, well, Maybe I'll tell them something I've decided to do and my family will say, we think this is risky and a bad idea. And I will say, suggestion noted, I'm going to do it anyway. Like he'll he'll be able to survive disagreement with the family. And um, so to, to try to limit the scope of your interventions here to offer support where you feel prepared to do it. Be honest and clear and upfront to the best of your ability when you don't think that you can. Ask questions that you think he should meaningfully consider as he like engages in a new relationship with a trans guy. Um, and then, you know, let him handle his own decisions and his own choices. Like, you can be supportive, but you don't have to fix this for him. You don't have to make sure that he feels good about it all the time. You don't have to make sure that the family is all on board. That would be too much pressure to put on yourself, I think.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think that, you know, I mean, family dynamics can be really complicated and and weird and you know families do kind of get into each other's business to a large extent and we we don't know how the, the exact dynamics of this family from reading the letter but it does feel like you know the letter writer might need to set some boundaries with 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 her brother about this
0: yeah and i don't know that i have a ton there beyond just it will maybe also help for you to get to meet your brother's boyfriend and get to know him a little bit and get a sense of like what is his life like? Mm-hmm. How does he seem? How do we relate to one another? Um, I, I think that will also help take this out of the sort of realm of the theoretical. But yeah, beyond that, again, to bear in mind, I might feel uncomfortable about this age gap. It may or may not be that someday in the future, they will think about their relationship differently than they think about it now. But, you know, 19 and 27, that's two adults. They're allowed to date. You know, that, that I think will be helpful to kind of hang on to.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the first time I lived with a partner, we lived together for three months, you know, and I just, I think that's worth noticing, noting that, you know, moving together sounds like a long-term commitment, but it's not necessarily, especially when you're, when you are traveling, packing light, you know, if you, if you don't have a lot of belongings, if you don't have like a sofa or whatever.
0: Yeah, I think that's useful. I think sometimes moving in can be a huge decision and sometimes it's one of those things where like, well, if you move in together and it doesn't work out, you can move out. Right. And I don't mean to like flatten the difficulties of potentially breaking a lease or if you become financially dependent on the partner you're living with or any number of other factors that might make it more or less difficult. But yeah, it is also true that if you move in with someone and it doesn't work out, well, then it was a mistake or you changed your mind or something in between the two and then you then you live somewhere else. Right. It it is undoable.
1: Yeah, it's you know not always easy, but it's it's doable to like you know it's not it's not a li- not necessarily a life altering mistake.
0: But yeah, you, you know, try to get more information where you can. Be honest with your brother. Don't try to put too much responsibility for handling this whole situation on yourself. And um, good luck. I'll read our next letter. Okay. Oh, this one is, uh, you know, I, I always feel like when we move into a different sort of pay grade when we move into a question about family dynamics where there are young kids involved. Cause then it's oh, just man. like, Oh, well, now everything's a lot harder. You know, now it's not just like, well, I'll just move out or like, just do this. It's like, Oh, there's a, it's a toddler. Oof. Subject is mom by proxy. Dear Prudence, I am a 26 year old currently taking advantage of remote working due to the pandemic in order to form a pod with my parents, my sister, her husband, and their two kids, a three-year-old and a seven-month-old. My mom takes care of both kids during the weekdays. She's paid for this. We all have full-time work-from-home jobs. My brother-in-law is always on his phone, even when holding the baby or playing with the toddler. He complains when he is asked to do the bare minimum and usually just sits the toddler in front of the iPad while he plays video games most of the time. My sister seems to be pretty consumed with taking care of her new baby. As a result, the toddler watches his iPad 90% of the day. I try my best to play with him between meetings or at least ask him engaging questions. I also try to make sure that he has other things to do on the weekends because I don't see much initiative from his parents and it's making me feel guilty when I don't devote my time to him. My parents have similar concerns but haven't said anything to my sister about it. I love my nephew so much and a lot of my fulfillment comes from spending time with him. How can I address my concerns with his parents and stop feeling this combination of responsibility and guilt? Wow. This, this is just a whopper. I just want to like start with, like this is really, really complicated. I it don't is. know that I'm going to have a great answer.
1: I don't know that I will either. I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, part of what's so weird and intense about the pandemic and about the quarantine and the pod situations that so many of us are having is that you, you know, you're kind of like in these, for lack of a better term sartrean like you know people jammed in a room together for long periods of time you know no exit kind of situation where you you are much closer with people even people who are in your family or who are in your life who were in your life before the pandemic you are having a very different relationship with people and you know it just it situations like these where you know in a normal under normal circumstances this person might see her nephew once or twice a week but now is around all the time it's just mm-hmm. everything is more intense everything is heightened and i think it's really important to to note that and, you know i think that we're going to look back on this time and just be like wow that was uh, that was a lot of like intense family time for a lot of us or a lot of yeah. intense you know um i mean i think that you know looking over it again because i re-read, i read it earlier um looking over it again I think it's important to note that this person is asking two separate questions. Like if you look at the end of the letter, they're like, how can I address my concerns with his parents, the nephew's parents? And how can I stop feeling this responsibility slash guilt combo? And I think (sighs) the answer to the second one is heartbreaking, but it's also at a certain point, this isn't your kid and you should be spending time with your nephew because you love spending time with your nephew, which this person clearly does. Um, I don't think it's good to feel guilty per se about your relationship with your nephew because it's just going to seep into everything and it's going to, you know, I think that it, to the extent that you can maintain a really close relationship with your nephew without turning it into a thing of, of, I feel guilty if I'm not constantly, you know, keeping my nephew enter distracted and, and fulfilled in the midst of this challenging situation. um. I think that, you know, the, the, whatever you can do to keep that relationship happy and positive for both your sake and your nephew's sake I think is good. So I think as as someone who had a lot of guilt growing up and who is like constantly, you know, struggling with feelings of guilt for every, you know, minor thing that I might have done or could have considered doing if my evil twin suddenly took over, I I have a lot of empathy for this person feeling this guilt and I, I want them to try to find ways to not feel so much guilt and to feel, you know, just try to stay positive about your relationship with your nephew and how much you love spending time with this person, this this kid. As far as the other part, how do I address my concerns with the parents? I really have no idea.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that letter writer is being put in a really difficult position as are mm-hmm. the grandparents because, you know, they are in many ways being charged with sharing in the ongoing daily caretaking that comes with raising a kid. Like they're, and have been for about the last year, like co-parenting this kid. It's not just occasional babysitting. Um, And yet they have not simultaneously been sort of invited into, it sounds like, any of the sort of big picture questions of like, how are we raising this child? So, you know, and that's just often, I think, a result of that sort of like idea of like, the the nuclear family is it and other people can be asked to help but not to provide input right Um, and and so that's part of what's tricky here is like you are co-parenting this child but you are not being treated as a co-parent by the biological parents and i don't know how much luck you're going to have in raising your concerns successfully I think the sort of one upside of approaching this conversation is they still need you, you know? Mm-hmm. So, they, you know, there's a limit to how much they can push against you, uh, even as there is also a limit to how much you can get them to change. I, I, I think I would start by talking to your mother and father and say, I want to find a way to talk about nephews, iPad use in a way that, you know, his mom and dad are going to be the most open to hearing. I don't want to come down too hard on them. I want to be able to acknowledge how hard the pandemic has been on everyone. I don't want to try to litigate their every waking moment or uh, go in with unrealistic expectations. Like I know this year's just been hard for everyone. And there's obviously times when it's just like the iPad is a good enough thing for now. But I do think you know i th- I think you should you should see your parents and say like my my main goals here are one I would like to be part of a conversation where we talk to his pediatrician about how much time he's spending in front of screens and just get a sense from his doctor about whether we should be concerned what we should be looking out for in terms of like his eyesight or or his general developments right. um, just so we're all informed. And again, not like going into this with like, I'm trying to punish someone. I'm trying to get someone in trouble. I just, I think this would be good to talk about with the pediatrician. Um, and then I also want to have like a collective conversation about how can we, especially as we look towards gradual opening up um, as people get more and more vaccinated about the possibility of establishing occasional play dates with other kids because that's something I would like to help facilitate if I can. I know we've all been taking on a lot. Um, I want to find ways to help him do things that aren't just being in front of the screen, but that aren't about making everybody feel bad um, or punishing people. By the way, I say all of this, letter writer, feeling pretty strongly like this child's dad. Whatever he may be going through as a result of the pandemic is really falling down on the job. Um, I'm angry with him. If I were in your position, I would be angry with him. I feel really bad for your sister, who it sounds like is already just so swamped taking care of the seven-month-old, which is, that's a 24-7 job. Um, And her husband is just like, checked the fuck out. And that's really awful. So the reason I'm suggesting such a kind of like accommodating diplomatic approach is purely strategic because you have to all live together right now. And it doesn't sound like you, you quite yet feel safe trying to encourage your sister to consider fucking leaving him or like, you know, laying down the law with him. Um, That's why I'm suggesting that I want to shake this man.
1: Yeah. I think you really put your finger on it when you said, Hey, I agree that the, 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 the husband, the, the father of the, the the two kids is, you know, he just sounds like a piece of work. Honestly, he sounds like just a selfish dirtbag who is like, you know, really not, he's really, he's, the one who has the responsibilities that this letter writer feels consumed by. And he's the one who just seems to be completely neglecting them Probably, you know, possibly out of some idea that, you know, this is, this is women's work or whatever, which just Mm is revolting to contemplate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you really put your finger on it when you said that, you know, the letter writer is being asked to do a lot of work without having any input or having any, you know, there's all the responsibility and none of the control. And that's a very frustrating situation to be in. It's a really, you know, I feel like it, it is a thing that, you know, we have this kind of excessive over, you know, excessive respect for the nuclear family as kind of the unit which must be, you know, maintained at all costs. And I think that that's often damaging to a lot of people because, you know, I mean, it's, it's I don't think it's good for anybody. I don't think it's good for parents. To be put in that position of, like, you are a god in your child's life and nobody else is able to, you know, have any input, even if they love and care about your child and, and are, you know, doing a lot to help and support your child. I think, you know, it's. I think there should be a trade-off of if, if people are involved in helping to raise your kids, they should be involved um, I think you're absolutely one hundred percent right about that. and i I kind of feel bad that I said earlier that this like this person shouldn't feel responsible because I think that, you know, it is your family, and this person is you she clearly loves this nephew very much and right. wants
0: I, I didn't take that as you saying, like, care a little bit less or just like, don't worry. I, I I took it as you're saying, I'm sorry, you're in that position, and I hope you can go as easy on yourself as possible,
1: yeah. I think that's the point is i I don't want to see this person beating herself up for a situation that she can't control and that she's doing her best in. And that, you know, I I feel like part of what I was thinking about when I said that thing about guilt and and responsibility, because again, I'm a very guilt-ridden person, is I think that sometimes guilt can get in the way of self-care, and self-care is important if you want to continue being there for this this child, right? Like, I think that this, this person should not let guilt, you know, make her a martyr or make her... unable to do things for herself when she needs to because, you know, she feels like if she takes time for herself, she's neglecting this this
0: child. And, you know, yeah. So much of this would be different. Like, if this were just 2018, for example, he could probably get away with being this shitty of a dad because between daycare and playdates and the ability to leave the house and take the kid in a stroller, um, there'd be a lot of other options. Um, But... A shitty 2018 dad approach in 2020 and 2021 is way, way, way more troubling. Um, And so there may come a time when you are not all living together in such close quarters and this kid is able to get out more and be around other people and do other things that aren't just be indoors all day. Um, And maybe at such a time, you might have more opportunities to You know, gently ask probing questions of your sister and potentially encourage her to reconsider. But for now, I I think you just need to treat this guy as like um, a wall. Like think of him as an obstruction that you simply need to work around, um, that is an inert, neutral object, um, (laughs) because I think that's going to keep you husbanding your own strength. Sorry, husbanding your strength. Uh, Funny choice of words here. I think that will save you the most energy and the most grief. And it will also hopefully help you avoid the worst possible defensive reactions. So if you go into this with like, we all know what the problem is, which is that he is falling down on the fucking job. He's always playing video games. He complains 24 seven and he just parks his, you know, and I say all this by the way, and like anyone who's like using a lot of iPad time to get their toddler through the pandemic I get it. It's hard. It's hard under the best of circumstances. If your kid gets through this year watching a lot of TV and stays alive, you're doing your best. Like, I have lots and lots of patience for that. This clearly feels a couple of steps past that. But, you know, the only reason I'm not suggesting that right now is just because I think that it will backfire. So, this is purely strategic, but just think of him as like, yeah, just like a wall that's in your way. No point in getting angry at a wall right now because it's just there. It's not, you know, you don't have to worry about its intentions or its personhood. Um, You just need to find the easiest way around it. Um, And so approaching it from a like, hey, team, can we talk about all this together? Can we see what's going on? And then that way, if you have to offer him a correction or a suggestion, you can do it again from the guise of like, oh, well, we had this big conversation. We talked to the pediatrician. You probably just forgot, you know, like none of this, like getting him defensive and possessive about his little fucking video games. By the way, if you also want to just like accidentally break his phone, you have my full permission to do that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I also wonder
0: about What happened? I haven't seen it.
1: It's, you know, phones break. It is a thing. You know, I wonder about the letter writer's mom who is, you know, kind of taking care of the kids during the day. And I, I'm kind of impressed under the impression that the mom doesn't have other, doesn't have other work and is, this is she's getting
0: paid this is to, her full-time work from home job.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm wondering yeah. about that and I'm wondering, you know, the mom, the letter writer's mom feels like she would be in a position to really say as the child's, you know, as these children's one of their primary caretakers as their kind of daycare worker and grandmother yeah. and, you know, everything. I have concerns and I think that uh we need to, you know, find ways to make the older of the two children more fulfilled and you know, we need to find some workarounds, like you said. Yeah.
0: And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you have to like think through so much like strategy and tactics when it comes to convincing this grown man not to like whine and roll his eyes and play video games when someone's like, You should hold your son. Um, that sucks. And it will make the kids' lives harder. And that's one of those things that I don't know if it will help with that combination of responsibility and guilt, but just to remind yourself like everybody has trouble in life associated with their childhood. I can do my best to mitigate some of this, but these kids are going to grow up knowing that they had a kind of shitty dad. I can't, I can't completely make up for that. That's going to be part of their story. Yeah, it will. And it it will not make it easier, but it might make some of your options feel a little bit clearer because if you feel like maybe there's a chance that I can be so attentive and loving that they won't notice that their dad is a piece of shit, they're going to notice. They're going to pick up on it. It's going to hurt.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you can't... Unfortunately, the, the the sad truth of of the universe is you can't fix someone else's childhood even if you try to be there for them. Like, things that suck are going to suck. And, you know, but if you can... If they can look back and... um you know, know that there were, there were supportive, loving people in their lives. And if this nephew can look back and, and know that, you know, he had an aunt who was really there for him and supportive, that means a lot. That goes a long way. And, you know, just being around and, you know, especially as this kid gets older and, you know, maybe needs a sounding board.
0: It's time to move on. I've gone so many different directions with this letter. Currently, I'm um, kind of at like, oh, this kid's sort of a legend, so that's where I'm at, but it's your turn to read it.
1: Oh, gosh. Okay, this one, yeah, this one is, I have no idea what to say about this one. So, subject, a child called it. Dear Prudence, cis woman and mom here. My 15-year-old child came out as trans about six months ago. I love and support them without reservation. They've asked me to use different pronouns along the way, alternating mostly between he, him, and they, them, but also trying on other, less common ones, and I have been happy to oblige. Except, a few days ago, they told me that they want people to use it and its. I said that I would think about it, but it would be difficult for me to call my child an it, and that it has often been used to dehumanize people, which prompted a storm off and slam the door. With permission, I checked in with their therapist, a trans man, because I was concerned. He was as taken aback as I was, doesn't think that they're depressed, and is also flummoxed about what to do. I've never had much patience with people who tell their loved ones, I support your transition, but X is going too far. But I really, really, really don't want to call my kid it. For now I am using they, them when they are out of earshot, and avoiding pronouns at all when they are around. Would it be okay to tell them... Sorry, kiddo. I'll use literally any other pronoun, or should I just acquiesce and hope they change their minds
0: soon? Ooh, man. Yeah, I um, I, I've gone through a couple of different uh, readings of this one, as I mentioned, and yeah, I am currently on like, wow, this kid, uh, this kid's got a fucking gumption. That's really cool. <laughs> um, I kind of like love that level of self possession at fifteen of just like. Oh, uh, we all uncomfortable talking about trans people? Fantastic. My pronouns are it. Yeah, And then just I mean, like leveling people with your with your glands. Like it's a rough fucking environment to be a trans kid in right now. And yeah. I kind of love, and I, I don't want to assume that that's the approach here, but my read is a little bit of like, I would like to let cis people sit with their own discomfort. I'm going to offload some of that discomfort and just let you all sort of like, roll around in it. See how you're feeling.
1: I mean, maybe it did seem, I did kind of think it was a little bit of a flex and like that maybe this kid is testing their, I'm just going to keep using they, them pronouns because I also am really uncomfortable using it. It's to talk to about a human being, unfortunately. And I I just can't quite bring myself to do it, which maybe tells us something here. But um, I think that uh, maybe they are testing to see just, you know, their mom is like, I'll support you in any way I can. I'll use any pronouns you want. And they're like, well, how about this? And it's like just trying to see, you know, the most extreme possible scenario. Like, are we going to get away with this one? Just to see if there's a limit to the support maybe or to see if there's like some limitation. I, you know, I really don't know though. Um, I mean, there have been science fiction stories with characters who are human equivalent who use it, it, its pronouns. I believe Murderbot uses it, its pronouns. Uh I wrote a novel in which there's an AI that uses it its pronouns and gets corrects people if they use other pronouns. So, you know, maybe this maybe this kid is, you know, somewhat robot identified. I mean, to me it does kind of it is does It feels instinctively dehumanizing, and it also feels like you're talking about an, an inanimate object, kind of.
0: Yeah, I think I could speak to some of that. I, I, I really recognize all of that. That makes a lot of sense to me. It, it is a very unusual pronoun um, for a person to adopt, um, and so it also makes sense that many people would just have this sort of sense of, I don't really know how to contextualize this, um, outside of, you know, as you say, dehumanization. Um, I do now um, have a a handful of people I know, not terribly well, but I do, I do know who use it and its, um, with a, you know, a, a variety of, of reasons or interests, um, in, in making that decision. And, um, I use it and its for them. Um, I, I think there's a couple of different issues going on here. I think the biggest one is the sort of sense that the letter writer feels, which is sort of like, I can imagine either using my child's pronouns and feeling comfortable. Or I can imagine saying, I'm too uncomfortable, I can't. And mm-hmm. there's a little trouble imagining anything in the middle. And of course, any 15-year-old is occasionally gonna bring a little door slamming, you know, energy to a conversation, which doesn't make anything easier. Um, but I think that this that, that does tell you that this is important to your kid. It cares about this. I am, by the way, gonna use it and it's for your kid um throughout this letter. Um And and so, sure, probably, possibly boundary pushing or testing could be a part of this. But that's an important part of development at that age. Mm -hmm, And I don't want to say that just to suggest like this is only acting out. There's nothing important at stake here. If it's acting out, it's your, you know, you're entitled to as a parent say, I know you're acting out. I'm not going to give you what you're wanting um, or what you're asking for. So, that's my final decision. So I think I would say, I would say go back to your kid and say, didn't love how our last conversation ended. I want to be able to talk about this. Um, I would like to ask that even if you get really frustrated or upset and you need to take some space or, you know, pause the conversation, just let me know. I hope you don't slam the door again. I would really appreciate that. Um, For my part, I can commit to asking you more questions and promising you that I will not make any hasty decisions. And that if I feel uncomfortable or uncertain, I will, you know, consider it, reflect on it. I won't simply tell you yes or no based on whether I feel comfortable or uncomfortable. And see how your kid responds to that. If its response to that is like, all right, I appreciate that. We can we can talk. Great. If your kid's like, this fucking sucks, just do it or don't. Take that break yourself, you know, go on a nice little walk. Um, But um, I think some sort of commitment to I'm open to hearing you tell me more about why this is important to you. Not in the sense of you have to prove to me that you have great reasons and then I'll do it. Otherwise, if I think your reasons suck, I won't. Um, Just in the sense of I want to know a little bit more about you because it's really new to me. Um, And the committing to giving it a shot. Um, And I I think that will be valuable. I don't know if this is something that your kid's going to want to do for a very, very long time or a short time all the time. You know, I don't think there's any way of knowing that. So I don't want to say, hey, I'm sure if you just wait it out, your kid's going to want to use they, them pronouns again in the future. So I I think really the most important thing you can do right now is take this request seriously, engage with it. Your kid knows, by the way, that it and its is used to dehumanize people. Your kid's very aware of that. So True, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't mean, again, that doesn't mean that your discomfort is silly or foolish. Um, But I do think you should think of this as, Possibly some of the discomfort is part of what appeals to your kid about this. And not necessarily just in a way that's like, fuck the world, I want everyone <laughs> to feel weird. But like, I, I want to explore this. Your kid is very aware that it and it's is used in a dehumanizing fashion. It's in fact very possible that that's already happened to your kid, you know, at multiple points throughout its life. Um, and, and that's part of why it's made this decision. Um so, you know, whatever, whatever you do discuss with your kid, I think bear in mind my kid knows that it is often used to describe objects and to dehumanize people. Um, that's not new information my kid doesn't have.
1: Yeah. And you know, I mean, I, I will also I will also use it its pronouns for for the kid since I, I want to follow your lead. And I think you're right that we should respect this kid's agency and and I'm sure I know you're right that it does know that, you know, there is like a greater stigma around it. It's programs than than other pronouns, and you know, I mean, one thing that I noticed from the letter, rereading it, is uh, that the kid has tried a bunch of pronouns, including he, him, they, them, and other non-standard pronouns. And I mean, the thing about pronouns is that they are this kind of even when you have like a range of options, even when you have like the option to use they, them, or sees here, or you know. A number of other non-standard pronouns, um fair. I have friends who use faire. Um, pronouns are are they're they're part of how other people contextualize you. and they kind of set up a set of assumptions about you in people's minds. And it's really hard to escape that. And if you're in a stage of trying to figure out exactly what you feel comfortable with, you know, and what describes you best to the random, you know, person at the Safeway or at the, you know, at the drugstore or, you know, convenience store. Like, what random strangers are going to decide about you based on a handful of letters. Um, you know, it's it's a weird thing to have to settle on one one of those options and have it be like, for the rest of my life, people are going to make this set of assumptions about me. Um based on, you know, two or three letters of the, of the English language. So, you know, I can kind of understand that this kid is, it's trying on a bunch of different identities and it's trying to figure out what feels comfortable. And, uh, I think that you, you do have to support your kid in that process of, of kind of exploring and figuring out stuff, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think fundamentally what it comes down to for me is the sense that right now you feel really uncomfortable. That discomfort makes a lot of sense to me. I don't have impatience for it. I don't think that that's unusual. I think many, many people would feel the same way in your position. Um, but the the fundamental question here is, you know, my kid wants to use uh, a set of pronouns that's not, you know, it's not um, a, a harmful like slur. Um, even though it is a charged, charged choice. You know, certainly if you're, there are, there are some words I can imagine if your kid adopted as a neo-pronoun that you might very well say, I'm not able to do that. Um, that I don't think is is the case here, although I can understand why it feels close to that for the letter writer. But so the question is fundamentally, my kid wants to use a neo-pronoun that's unfamiliar to me, that makes me feel really uncomfortable, that brings up issues of dehumanization, dissociation, depersonalization, that will be jarring, surprising, that will create additional work, conversation, potential confusion among other reference um, and other cis people, um, and that even some other trans people might find jarring. And I want to know if that comfort is a good enough reason to tell my kid it can't choose this pronoun. We're going to make that decision for it. And I think my answer to that is just no. I think sometimes people can get really weird about neo-pronouns. And I just think, talk about your discomfort. Talk about your discomfort with lots of different people. Get as much help and support for it as you can. Um, Don't put the burden on yourself of saying, I have to feel great about this and love this. But do I think commit to your kid to say like, I'm going to try this. And um, you, you can make requests of me that even when they make me feel uncomfortable or I need some time to think about it, um, I'm going to be in it with you. And I'm not going to make decisions on your behalf unilaterally. And if 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 that can work for you, I hope you will also bear with me as I deal with some of my own feelings about it. Um, I hope that works. And if your kid slams the door in your face, that's really sorry. That's really sorry. I'm really sorry. Teenagers are hard.
1: Yeah, well, and, you know, the letter writer does mention that uh, that her child has a therapist and that the therapist also has concerns. And, you know, maybe one compromise is I will be open to talking about this with you. I'll be open to trying to use it as a pronoun for you. But maybe we need extra therapy sessions. Maybe you need to talk about this more with your therapist.
0: Or maybe I, I to me, I feel like, you know, 15, choosing your own pronouns, that seems like a relatively I hate to say like normal, but like that feels like an appropriate level of autonomy. And I can understand why you would want to discuss your discomfort with your kid's therapist. But like to me, it it gets a little too close to your therapist and I have decided that this isn't right for you. And your therapist is a trans man, which gives him extra kind of authority here. So not that you can't continue to discuss it occasionally or that you might not want to consider the possibility of family therapy um, for a little while as you sort of like sort through your own conflicting feelings. But I, I wouldn't say, like, I want to make you jump through extra hoops before I will tell you I'll commit to trying to use this new pronoun.
1: Yeah, um, I was so more I w- saying I w- that I will commit to trying, but in the meantime, maybe you can talk more about this with
0: your therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think that makes sense. I think that's appropriate. Um, your kid sounds cool and sometimes mad, which describes a lot of teenagers. and. I just, you know, again, I just admire the chutzpah of a trans 15 year old who's like, guess what? I'm using it now. Um, when I think about what it was like when I was a teenager for queer and trans kids, I'm just kind of stunned by how much the landscape can look really different in some ways. Not that there's also not way more embattlement, but
1: it's it's a really scary time. You said it, you were totally right before when you said that it's a really scary time to be a trans teenager. And, you know, I do admire I mean, I admire all trans teenagers so much as someone who, you know. Yeah, I lived through a time when it was so, like, just, I didn't see any trans kids around. Um, It's just, it's so amazing, but also it's a really scary time.
0: Good luck. I just wish you both a ton of luck. Same. Charlie Jane, thank you again so, so much for being on the show. It it was such a gift to get to have you back. Um, Say hello to your evil twin if you ever run into her.
1: I'm going to stay the heck away from my evil twin. But, you know, if I see her on the street, I will definitely shout that, you know, Danny says, hi, and also stay away from my cat, you bitch. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I know that my cat is scheming ways to get together with my evil twin as we speak. Because there we go. Yeah. Okay.
0: All. Thanks again so much. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. preview of our slate plus episode coming this friday i get it like my relationship to music is often like i'll wake up and i'll be like i have one song i want to listen to today i want to listen to it a thousand times as soon as the song ends my first feeling is you know it'd be great right now that song um that's absolutely no
1: you're a repeater you're a song repeater Mm -hmm. that's okay that's actually not that's not okay that's i'm gonna judge you like, no, I'm real a song repeater. I got a of diagnosis, baby. Oh my gosh. No, no, no.
0: Song repeaters are the worst. Like, you know, if, That's why I do headphones. Right. I would never want, you know, there have been days when I have listened to Steely Dan's My Old School while thinking about my father from whom I am very estranged and oh, about whom I have man. big powerful feelings, um, and I have listened to it for three or four hours in a row. To listen to the rest of that conversation, join Slate Plus now at slate.com forward slash pod.